Welcome to Scotch Friday Podcast. My name is Carmel Sacrin, and I'm your host. This episode will be the wrap-up to our leadership series during the COVID-19 pandemic. We live in unprecedented times. Regardless of your political stripes, there is a massive outpouring of pride and praise for our elected officials and their response to the COVID-19 crisis. Our vigilance is being requested as our country, our province, and our region begins to loosen restrictions. So where do we go from here? Today, my special guest is our very own Jane McKenna, MPP for Burlington. Jane, welcome. Thanks so much, Carmel, for having me. I'm quite excited to be the first time uh, on your podcast. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Wonderful. So do we, Jane. You are well known among many of our listeners, but I ask you to indulge me in sharing some of your background. Uh, There's a lot here. I'll try to be brief. You were first elected to the Ontario Legislature in 2011 and served to 2014. Full disclosure, I was one of the candidates you defeated in that election. You served on the Standing Committee on Regulations and Private Bills and the Standing Committee on Social Policy, serving also as the official uh, opposition's children and youth services critic. You are credited with the white paper in December of 2012 titled Paths to Prosperity, a Fresh Start for Children and Youth. You also served as government services critic and critic for economic development, trade, and employment. You introduced Bill 81, the Inherited Heart Rhythm Disorders Awareness Act, which was co-sponsored by the Liberals and NDP members. The bill passed first and second reading and was referred to the Standing Committee on Social Policy. There was a hiatus, a four-year hiatus from 2014 to 2018, but you came back, ran again, and you were re-elected in 2018 and appointed to the Standing Committee on Estimates and the Standing Committee on Legislative Assembly, which you chaired. In late 2018, you were appointed by the Premier as Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Labour, and you're currently serving as Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Labour, Training and Skills Development. You have also represented the Speaker of the Ontario Legislature, Ted Arnott, at various conferences throughout the USA. You are a lifetime resident of Burlington, and you have five children and three grandchildren. How'd I do? Great, but I have four grandchildren now. (laughs) Well, I guess my... (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. I am sure you have been very busy. I'm sure your staff have been very busy. This seems to be the common reality for elected officials. So I must ask, what is your new normal, and how has your life changed because of the pandemic? So, so you know, I, I appreciate the uh, questions that you have here, uh, Carmel. First of all, just like everyone else, um, you know, there's no social life. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about my fourth grandchild. My daughter, Courtney, uh, had, my, had uh, my fourth grandchild, her first, on April 9th, which was in the, in the you know, right in the beginning of the COVID-19. Congratulations. Uh, He's actually, thank you very much. He's actually seven weeks uh, this Thursday. Uh, I haven't held him yet and can't wait to actually hug her, hug my son-in-law and snuggle him up. I'm a bit of a baby hog when I do get it, you know, a baby with me. So uh, he won't be, he won't, once I get to see him, he won't be uh, going to anybody else. I'll tell you that much. I've also learned in my personal life how to blow my hair dry differently because so you can't see all the gray. So that was, that took a bit of an art to be, to be able to do that. Um, so that, that's part of the personal part of it. Um, professional side, 
Um, obviously, we went to a lot of, you know, we've uh, done a lot of meetings here at, um, uh, because we obviously are going to events and going to see businesses, obviously not having constituents in the office. Um, but, um, you know, the word Zoom, um, I used to think of Zoom, Zoom, Zoom as Mazda commercial. Uh, now we use it hourly in our office to stay connected, which has been uh it's been a you know a massive change, obviously for our, for ourselves. And I'll say something else too before I continue on. You know, um, you know, Ken and Peter are in my office here. I'm only as good as the people that are with me. No one works for me. They all, we all work together, and I am eternally grateful for all of their hard work. Um, we have extended our hours here till uh, seven o'clock since COVID nineteen eight weeks ago because people really wanted to have a live voice. Um, and to be able to have someone that can, you know, they can talk to. And, you know, I, you know, my hats go off to these two here because they've gone above and beyond. So I, um, I want to, you know, very much thank them for all their hard work. Can you share with me a little bit about the business of the Ontario legislature? How is that being conducted during this pandemic? Yeah, so right now we have... Um, uh, we've been going back Tuesday and Wednesdays. I was there last week, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, not there today. Um, but you know, it's, it's, um, we have 43 that is sit on our side. Um, but it's, it's obviously very different, but you know, it's, it's like trying times. I mean, you look at the federal government right now, they haven't been able to vote because some people are, you know, trying to do it virtually and, you know, you need to make sure it's a secure vote from yourself. So everything is very different. And, you know, it's, you know, as you said, Carmel, it's unprecedented times, right? So, you know, we're doing everything for the first time and, and trying to figure out how to, to be able to, you know, obviously move bills and, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, the state of emergency is, you know, declared and moves forward. So it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a huge learning curve for everybody in our office at Queen's Park and, you know, as obviously as the PA for Labour as well. I mean, I heard early uh, stories about uh, Premier Doug Ford not getting any sleep. Uh, I imagine yeah. it's true for, for all of you. But uh, are you receiving daily notifications from the premier, uh, Premier's office? Yeah, so we, we have uh, obviously caucus calls um, that we get together, obviously, through Zoom uh, is our new best friend. And uh, he is very, you know, I mean, he gets obviously a lot of calls himself, but he does reach out on a regular basis. You know, he watches all of us to see how everybody's doing. And, um, yeah, he's, you know, I mean, he's a phenomenal person. Uh, obviously, people are seeing that, you know, more so now with COVID-19. Um, but that's who I, you know, know and, and uh, totally respect on a daily basis. So this is a part of this podcast. Uh, you're basically the wrap-up podcast of our leadership series. So I want to ask you, what qualities do you think make a good leader? Um, well, I think, um, I think first of all, you know, I was, you know, just had to think there for a minute. First of all, I was actually looking up the word Google on Google, the word leadership, and, uh, you can get over 479 million results. Uh, that's because leadership means so many different things to different people. But, uh, during uh, times of crisis, people measure leadership differently. So throughout COVID-19, uh, obviously all governments, we've been working together uh, for the best interests of the people of Burlington and Ontario, and all elected officials have largely set aside partnership, uh, partisanship, um, and we've done a phenomenal job. I'll, I'll speak for uh, uh, Karina Gould and, obvious, and also for um, Marianne Mead Ward. 
So uh, I'll just tell you a quick story. I, I mentioned this to you earlier. I walked home today for lunch because I just live a couple blocks away from the office. And there was a fellow in my building and he said, um, he said, are you Jay McKenna? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I just want you to know, typically my wife and I don't, you know, we don't vote PC. Um, but he said, I just want you to know, recently my wife and I sent a letter over to the premier. We just wanted to thank him for his outstanding leadership during COVID-19. And I thanked him very much. I said it was a very kind thing. So, you know, I just think that's what leadership is, right? And a lot of people are recognizing that right now. Yeah, you mentioned Team Canada. I mean, uh, this is uh, unfamiliar terrain for people who have political stripes. The idea that there is this level of cooperation and um, uh, collegiality. Can you comment on that a little bit more? Well, I think it's your responsibility to do what's best for people that are, you know, um, they're nervous, they're scared, they're not sure what is going to happen, if they're going to have a job to be able to go back to, um, you know, and uh, so I think it's your responsibility to all work together as a team. I know here we have lots of communication and lots of conversations um, with the mayor and with uh uh, Karina as well, and everybody is on the same page to make sure that everybody gets the proper information that they need. And so we've, you know, we've managed to, you know, work extremely hard, the three of us, to make sure we're doing the best. Yeah, I know you've been uh, very, very um, public about, uh, you know, all that you do, and, and I know you participated yeah. in uh, a couple of the town halls the city has has held. And yeah. can you describe the efforts in your working relationship with our mayor and our MP? Would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Well, I would say that it's exactly the same as it's always been, right? I think we've always had a very good relationship and working together uh, for the best interest. And, I, you know, I know my office here in Burlington, um, uh, you know, works extremely well with um, uh, Victoria, who's the chief of staff, to Marianne, and also with Jamie and his staff over with uh, Karina, um, because we have to. I mean, you can't pass the buck. We've had calls uh, where people are calling right now, and they're, I mean, the number one call we get is, you know, EI and also CERB. So we have live calls here. So as much as we're not federal, we make sure that we answer to the best of our ability. They do the same over there, and we, you know, we all work together so people aren't frustrated, you know, asking a question, and we just, you know, punt that off. The, um, the calls that you've been getting to your constituency office, can you, uh, what have been the primary concerns uh, shared or expressed by uh, people? Well, I'll say the number one thing is, you know, help navigating through various financial supports, right? So especially federal programs, as I said, EI, employment insurance, and then the Canadian Canada emergency relief benefit. A lot of people are fear of losing their jobs, um, you know, not being able to find one if they do, uh, worried about whether the company they work for will reopen, especially in the hospitality industry and personal services, obviously, like salons and spas. We have a lot of people that call in about mental health issues, including depression. And we have a lot of people that are worried, you know, like what's going to happen, you know, because everything's deferred um, when they, you know, paying their bills. If, you know, if they have uh, little or no money now coming in, how are they ever going to catch up on all their unpaid bills? So that's basically, you know, in a nutshell, um, most of the concerns that, you know, people are calling about. Um, maybe it's, uh, seems rather redundant, but what have you seen as some of the challenges, um, 
in trying to fulfill your role uh, during this pandemic? So, so I, I think I think you're basically who you are. So it's you know my job is to listen to the people that are here in Burlington and obviously vocalize that whether someone's calling about a labor issue and to be able to go back to, to Minister McNaughton and talk to him about that. Uh, people calling a lot of people about pandemic pay and being able to go to um, uh, Minister Bethlen Falvey or, or Minister um, uh, Phillips and speak to them about that. I just think it's reassuring people that um, we're all in this together, reassuring people that, you know, we're passing on their concerns um, to the people that need to hear those concerns. That's my job and that's everybody else's as an MPP, their job as well. Um, we always find a way to make it work, right? So the challenges, even though they come in and they're different, we go out of our way to be able to find a solution to make people when they, you know, when people get off the phone to feel that, um, you know, that they've been heard and that we can, you know, basically fix the challenge that they've called with. Right. Have we learned any lessons uh, during this COVID pandemic? Have there been any victories? Um, so victories. So I'll tell you a couple. Um so people do appreciate a live voice. And I, I, I think I said this to you earlier, you know, we get a lot of calls all the way from, you know, Ottawa to Niagara, uh, even though I represent Burlington because we have a live voice. We're here till seven o'clock at night. Um, and then we had a, obviously marriage licenses. I'll just give you a couple of points. Right. So we typically, um, you know, they're issued by the municipality, but because of COVID-19, the Burlington city hall is not being issuing them. So in a, in, in a few cases, uh, we've been able to get licenses thanks to uh, an Amber LaPointe. She's the clerk, uh, city clerk in Port Colburn, and Sarah Kim. Uh, she's the, um, the town clerk in, the, in Grimsby and the clerk's office in Markham for going above and beyond to help us, right? Those people were absolutely thrilled um, to be able to get the help that they needed. Um, and then I think, too, like you're asking me, you know, what have we learned? Well, I've always known that Burlington is a very kind, thoughtful, and generous community. But, you know, during these times, Carmel, um, we all come together to ensure that no one is left behind. It's, it's actually been so many wonderful stories here. It's heartwarming. It's, it's touching. You know, when you look at the Burlington Food Bank, you know, Compassion Society, Food for Life, Burlington Salvation Army, Wellington Square United Church. I mean, all of these people have rallied for this community. And uh, they've done a phenomenal job um, taking care of the people in Burlington to make sure that they have everything that they need. Um, Burlington, um, how, how have we fared through this crisis? I know people look at numbers and I, I kind of sense that uh, elected officials and, and um, the doctors that I've spoken to, they don't really like to get into the numbers. It's, it's almost sounds offensive if we talk about the numbers of COVID patients and deaths, but do you have any information that you can share with us on how Burlington has fared through this crisis? I mean, every life is valuable, um, but but numbers tell us a little story about if we're doing the right thing. So I can I can tell you where 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 we do a phenomenal job. So when you look at people getting out, because I you know walk you know I walk in the morning and I try to walk at night. Everybody is respectful of, of, of social distancing, right? And so. For sure, that's number one. Number two, presently right now, I just had an email that came in today and spoke to somebody. And presently, as of today, 
um, there are no cases in Joseph Brand Hospital. Wow, so great. They've done, you know, an extremely, um, you know, they've done a phenomenal job over there at Joe Brandt. Um, I know that in long-term care homes, we have, you know, obviously what you saw, which was heart-wrenching today, um, you know, about long-term care homes. We have phenomenal long-term care homes here, and I know that they go above and beyond, and I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for all their hard work and all the stuff that they do. I think we do have a couple, though, but don't quote me on that, uh, Carmel, that do have COVID-19, but I think it's two presently at this moment. But I just, overall... Um, I think people are very respectful. I think, you know, you obviously have some bad actors and some, you know, a couple of people that, you know, don't want to abide by the rules, but we need to continue to do that to make sure that we continue to be safe. We do have a lot of people in Burlington that will call and say, we want everything open. And I explain to them that I understand that because it's been a long couple of months, but the reality is, is if the numbers go up, they have gone down in the last they continue to go up, Carmel. Uh, as you know, we don't want to shut down everything again to two months ago, and that's exactly what will happen. And so as much as people wanted to golf and all the rest of it, and I get that, and there's social distancing there. I've gone by a couple of the golf courses since they've been open. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, people are mindful of that, right, as much as they want things to get going. So well, I, I can tell you that I was on the golf course uh, last Friday, and there was a lot of joy to the fact that yeah. we be out there golfing. Yeah, yeah I, what you're talking about is the announcement that our premier made May 12th about the three stages to reopening. So I guess that is what you're referring to here. Yeah, yeah. Um, our premier uh, just announced... Uh, expanding the COVID-19 testing to include those who do not display symptoms of the virus. Do you have any details on uh, yet on how that will um, be implemented? Yeah, like I think so. So I so just watching what I watched uh, uh, yesterday with Minister Elliott and also with uh, Dr. David Williams and also with the Premier. I think because of what happened at Trinity uh, Park that you know they're just saying like you know you're all together. So you need to go and get tested and make sure that, um, uh, you know, that they are being tested, right? And I know here in Burlington that, um, it, you know, if you feel you've been exposed to someone or has the virus, that, you know, you're to call over to Joseph Brand Hospital, which is, you know, I'll just tell you the number 905-632-3737, extension 6550. Um, you know, to, to book an appointment, right? So you just can't walk in, just they do accommodate if you do, but obviously they want to make sure that everybody gets seen, even other people that they're dealing with when they're there. But I, you know, I think that's going to be rolled out, Carmel, just because, you know, they're trying to, they really want people to be able to go and get, um, get tested uh, because people aren't getting tested. So they want to make sure that they're going and getting tested. So I think that was a pretty much a big wake, you know, wake up call, which happened there in that park, right? Which thankfully has not happened here in Burlington. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say that most Ontarians are very proud of our Premier's handling of the COVID-19 crisis. And if we're honest, this would include many who didn't support his election. Can you comment on the huge rise in his popularity and handling of the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, so so I'll first say to me, you know, he is no different. I, I see him on a regular basis. And, you know, he's the same person that I see every day. Uh, the Premier Doug is, you know, he's a very caring and wants to help everyone, as you can see, and he has a massive heart, like, and I mean massive. 
So, um, you know, he well, says, declared the Easter Bunny an essential service. I know. Mm-hmm. That was as cute as a button. And I've got four grandchildren, too, that love the Easter Bunny. So they were like phoning Nana and saying they were thrilled that uh, the premier had made him an, an essential service. And on a very serious level, he called out President Trump when uh, yeah. on refusing to export to us uh, the N95 mask, saying that's not neighborly. Yeah. And and also, too, you know, he's made sure that obviously you learn things moving forward that he said numerous times he won't be in that position again. Right. We want to make sure we take care of our own here instead of. But, you know, I'll, I'll just digress for a minute too, Carmel, though. It's very different when you have a worldwide pandemic, when everyone's looking for the same thing. Right. So well, people will phone the office here and try to, you know, do compare it to SARS. But SARS was isolated in certain areas. This is a very different situation when everyone's looking for the same N95 mask. So, I mean, we've learned lots of lessons about that. And he is, you know, he's come up to say that numerous times. But I'll just, you know, go back to when you were asking me about the premier. You know, like today, I, I was saying this earlier to Ken and Peter, when you watch him on TV, right, and they're talking about the sad situation, obviously, which is heart-wrenching. It was just, you know, gut-wrenching to say the least. Um, in the long-term care homes, he said, you know, he's inherited the situation, but the buck stops with him and his government, and he will make sure that he fixes the situation in long-term care. That's the guy he is. That's the, that's the, that's the premier I know. You know, early on in March, mid-March, I believe, he announced a $17 billion action plan and uh, to support healthcare sector, businesses, and tenants. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's been in front of the issue from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. What, um, what, tell me about that uh, action plan, if you can just um, add your own uh, perspective on it. Well, I think, you know, as you see, and I'll, I'll just use a couple of examples here. When you look at um, even, you know, the CERB, right? So, I mean, that's federal, but I'm only bringing that up because I just got off the phone with someone talking about it. Things change fluently because they have to. So even though it started off that you had to make a minimum $5,000 a year to apply for it, they, you know, they recognized when people were calling that they could actually digress and change that and that you could make up to $1,000 a month um, and still be able to apply for the CERB. So, you know, that's just one example. And I think he recognized along with uh, Minister Phillips that they needed to make sure that every single person um, was going to be taken care of. But we have made some serious, you know, we've continued to make changes, Carmel, uh, to all of that because we've had to, right? So, you know, we did direct supports for the healthcare system, people, families, workers, and employers, right? And we've had to make sure that that money was split up. Because, you know, there were certain areas that they looked at, but that's, that's constantly fluid and things change constantly on that because you recognize when you open up one of Pandora's boxes that you have to continue with different areas where that goes, right? So Yeah, I, I know that people are, are very relieved that we're slowly reopening. I mean, there are yeah. people who have been waiting for um, elective surgeries um, yeah. um, and even the number of people attending funerals. I know that that has been a real issue. I interviewed Don Smith uh, a couple of weeks ago, as you may have heard, and uh, boy, it's very stringent. So people who have had uh, loved ones uh, pass away and, and just uh, the whole thing about live streaming funerals. I mean, this is a new reality. Where do we go from here, Jane? What's going to happen to the way we live uh, daily in, in our community? Well, you know what? I think, first of all, you know, we're the first, um, you know, we're the first government in Canada to declare a state of emergency. So you have to be very mindful that 
where do you go from here? I think we're all trying to figure that out. I think things obviously, you know, are going to change drastically. Um, you know, and after weeks of lockdown, you know, people are looking for things to get back to normal. Um, as we said last weekend, uh, we need to continue with physical distancing and taking other precautions. The last thing we want to do, Carmel, is to go backwards. Uh, the last thing anyone wants is to go back to where we've been. Uh, no one wants another lockdown. Uh, that's why it's so important for the people of Burlington um, to use common sense as the economy starts to reopen. I think the majority of people are doing what they need to do, but obviously we have, you know, a few bad apples, but I would say 99, as, as Premier says all the time, 99.9% of the people are, we're all in this together. I mean, if you've ever seen, I, I'm amazed every single day in this office when people call and the, the kindness and thoughtfulness and, 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 and people that are calling in our community and how they've just rallied and, and stepped up to the plate and the challenge. I mean, I can name off tons of my friends that have gone around and, you know, dropped off food at people's houses. I mean, every one of us are doing kind things because it's just the right thing to do right now. Yeah, even even in the grocery store, just my own yeah. observation is, you know, before we'd walk into a supermarket, you wouldn't talk to anybody. You'd fill your cart up, go to a line, pay. The only thing you'd say is hello and goodbye to the cashier. And now people lining up actually are talking to each other. Yeah. There, there's actually, in, in many ways, I guess, um, uh, more of an effort to connect. Uh, you know, before where you wouldn't call somebody, you just take it for granted that you can drop by. Yeah. Now we're actually making effort to actually connect electronically. And so I guess... I guess we have changed attitudinally. I think we have changed, and I, I, um, I think that uh, there there are going to be some good things coming uh, from this horrible experience. Anyhow, Jane, any final words? I'm conscious of your time, and um, uh, I'd like to hear if you have any closing remarks. You know, I want to thank you first and foremost, Carmel, and you, you, to go to digress uh, back to. Uh, um, 2011 you ran a, a heck of a good race and uh it's you know i've been on both sides of the spectrum and i'll tell you this the latter isn't great so um i uh i'm always very respectful of anybody that puts their name in because it's a as you know it's a very it's hard on your family it's hard on uh, your kids it's a very difficult uh and all-consuming thing to do. So first and foremost, thank you for that. And that's obviously where the first uh, interactions that I had with you. I want to do. Uh, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank very much uh, Karina Gould and all the people in her office. I want to thank uh, Marianne Meadward and all the people in her office. Uh, I say to my kids all the time: when you work alone, you make progress. When you work together, you make history. And Darren Toot and Burlington, we're making the best history you could possibly imagine under these unprecedented times. Jane, those are wonderful words. And on that note, I want to thank you. I want to thank your staff. I want to thank your premier for all the hard work and keeping us safe and uh, getting through this uh, trying time. Thank you. Yes. Please remember to have your say and go to our comment section on our website, scotchfridays.ca. Tune in next week when we start our entertainment series. My name is Carmel Sacron. And I thank you for listening to this podcast. Till next Friday, goodbye and be safe.